Hey, how's it going, Lakeland? This is Chad McLeod, one of your city commissioners. Welcome to a view from Lakeland City Hall. I appreciate you tuning into the podcast. Today is June 16th. Hope everybody's having a good summer. It is hot. I probably don't have to tell anyone that, but I walked into City Hall this morning and was talking with Eddie. I want to give a shout out to Eddie. I know he occasionally listens to the podcast. Eddie's uh, the security guard who is there most days. If you if you go into the lobby of City Hall, we have uh, Christina, who's a city employee, and then Eddie is one of the security guards, and they both uh, do a good job of just welcoming visitors and monitoring the uh, first floor of City Hall. But Eddie uh, came to Lakeland from New York, I believe, and he said that someone uh, told him that August is usually the hottest month in Florida. And he said, that's hard to believe that it's going to, to be hotter than it is right now. So we are seeing some very high temperatures right now. And so I, I hope everyone is having a, a good summer. I was at Gandy Pool yesterday. So I'm a somewhat regular lap swimmer at Gandy Pool. And uh, we have just a great pool facility uh, here in Lakeland, and it was a flurry of activity. Kids and swim lessons and all sorts of things are happening this summer, and it's good to see families uh, taking advantage of city facilities, the city pool, uh, just what a nice asset that is here in Lakeland and and how many people utilize that. I want to give a shout out to our pool staff because they were working hard, everyone from the the desk staff checking people in to the lifeguards and uh, the the people who make that operation run so smoothly. And and I, I know during the summer, people take advantage of the pools and and really use that facility and so that is it's just good to see and and good to have here in in our city i want to take a few minutes and just uh, go through some of the issues that we have talked about as a commission recently before i get into kind of a recap of some things i want to highlight a few things that are coming up just to make sure that they're on your radar Uh, july 11th is the road diet public forum at the RP Funding Center. So that uh, we have been in a what seems like a very long test phase for the road diet project uh, lane realignment uh, along the stretch of South Florida going into downtown as you head north on South Florida Avenue going through Dixieland. And and we haven't made a final decision on that. I, I find myself in conversations with people out in the community telling them that a lot that we we have as a commission, we, we have not made a final decision. It It's interesting. And I think it's a somewhat unique situation that you have the Florida Department of Transportation that is ultimately responsible for that road. It's a state road, but it runs through our city. And so FDOT is looking for the commission to either give an approval or to ask DOT to to go a different direction, no pun intended. And so right now we are um, coming to the end of the test period, and that's why the the concrete barriers that you see along uh, the curb, what would be the expanded sidewalk, they, they look the way they do is because they are meant to be temporary in the sense that it is the least expensive type of concrete building material to take out. Uh, to make permanent sidewalks or to do some other type of configuration, although I'm not sure exactly what that is. And this is, it's an interesting issue. And we want to have this public meeting on July 11th at the RP Funding Center to allow people to come. And I think there will be different stations and people can can go and leave comments and uh, suggestions and ideas for improvements. And then from that, uh, we'll be coming to a point where FDOT will come in and present findings, traffic data, their analysis, and recommendations for what to do permanently along this stretch of South Florida Avenue. I know there are many people out there who drive it frequently who are not fans. Many of 
people out there listening. You don't like it. Uh, I've heard from family members, my wife at times, uh, trying to, to get down South Florida, uh, busy time of the day, and just frustrated with the, the pace at which traffic moves along that road. There are other times during the day where you know, my experience is it's it's not that bad if you go down it at noon or just, uh, you know, an off-peak time. But it is one of the main thoroughfares in our city as you go into and out of downtown. And so we want to be mindful of, of the decision we make of what we decide to do with that stretch of South Florida Avenue. One of the questions that I keep asking is for DOT to give us a, a scenario of if not this, then what? Several of my colleagues have mentioned recently that we can't go back to the the old design. I guess we could, but you would not build that roadway today as it was uh, in the past. The narrow sidewalks, the the sidewalks are not ADA compliant. Uh, The width of the lanes, I don't even think that's up to code. And so just putting it back the way it was, whatever DOT recommends, that is not going to be one of the options, I don't believe. And so that's trying to set the stage for we, we have to make a decision on do we do we stay with this design? And, and I came into office two years ago, over two years ago now, wanting to support the concept. I like the idea of a gateway in and out of downtown, uh, really being able to, over time, uh, develop that stretch through Dixieland where there's character and there's already character in, in some of the stores and shops. And But, but being able to build on that over time and uh, have a stretch of roadway where it, it's it slows down there's more uh, opportunities for pedestrians and bicycles and but i know that we're not seeing that today and so there's just a lot of comments i, I say all of that to say that that meeting on the on uh, the 11th of july that's coming up that will be an important piece of, of the process for us as a commission as we decide what to do so stay tuned on that we are getting close to, to the start of budget discussions for fiscal year 2023. We have to have the budget approved by, I think it's middle of September. Um, and, and that's always a, it's a challenging several months because we will have a, a budget workshop, I believe it's July 23rd. So it's in about a month. And we will start to talk about the specifics of the city's budget. What Priorities and initiatives will we fund in, in the upcoming fiscal year, which things will be cut, uh, which items will be put on hold, maybe for future years. What do we do with the millage rate, uh, the, the property tax rate for Lakeland property owners? That's always a big topic of discussion, as I think it should be, and that's going to be very interesting this year with everything that's happening in the economy and uh, that we're seeing right now as I record this. And, and uh, even with property values, you know, the assessed values, we'll be getting that data very soon. What are the property values looking like for Polk County for um, this past year, and that's the data uh, that is used as part of a calculation for uh, determining the, the millage rate for properties. So do we do we keep that rate the same? Do we roll it back? Are there discussions about millage rate increases? All of those things come into play when we're having uh, budget discussions, and those really kick off uh, on July 23rd at that workshop. So from end of July to middle of September, we have to have the city's budget finalized. And there's a ton of work that goes into that. A lot of work by city staff, the finance staff, city management, uh, just, just about every department uh, is involved in a piece of the budget. And so it really is a it's a collaborative effort. And then it ultimately falls to the commission to approve that budget. So there'll be many conversations about the budget coming up, I'm sure. I had a chance earlier this week to participate in a regional call with other 
city commissioners, county commissioners, and elected officials who serve on their city or their county's affordable housing advisory committee. They call them AHACs. There are acronyms and jargon all throughout local government, but this one is it's called an AHAC. And so if you serve on your city's or county's AHAC, you're on uh, one of these regional calls. It's actually required by law that you participate. And, and I am the representative uh, from our commission to our Affordable Housing Advisory Committee, to our AHAC. So I was on this call, and, and really the purpose, it's led by the Florida Housing Coalition out of Tallahassee. And again, it's mandated by legislation that you are uh, attend these meetings, represent your city. You can actually, if you don't, if you miss, I think it's more than two, uh, the state can withhold state housing, affordable housing funds from uh, a local city or county. Certainly don't want that. So I make sure that I always um, attend these. They are virtual calls, but it's interesting to me right now to have conversations with other elected officials about the topic of housing in general. Uh, Affordable housing is usually the, the focus as we talk about Um, affordable housing developments, um, funding that's available from the federal government, the state government, and then even local funding, whether that's set aside dollars like we've done uh, in Lakeland. Uh, We have set aside at times anywhere from $500,000 to a million dollars in both our general city fund and the community redevelopment agency, just putting aside dollars to partner with affordable housing developers and, and people who are or building, usually it's multifamily homes, apartment homes, where there's an affordability component, meaning that to qualify for uh, this housing, there's an income cap. And depending on the area median income uh, for your area, and you have to qualify to be able to live in, in one of these housing units. And the rental rates are lower than what you would find in what is called market rate housing. Um, there, there are subsidies that are available at uh, the, the state, and, and I think sometimes even the federal level, there are different uh, incentives for developers to build these types of housing developments. And so we have discussions about that and what that is looking like in your area uh, of the state, in your city, in your county. And so it's just a, it's a very interesting discussion right now, the topic of housing in general. And as Florida is experiencing rapid growth, my the past two episodes on this podcast, I have talked about growth and the growth management Uh, components and issues that we uh, are grappling with here in Lakeland. You're seeing that in many of our meetings, but the the demand for housing, trying to keep up with housing demand throughout the state is a struggle right now. Throughout Florida and and many communities are in the same position. Uh, There's a shortage of affordable housing units. There's a shortage of market rate uh, housing. There is, uh, you know, rental rates ha- have increased faster than wages. And so the things that we're seeing here in Lakeland, we are seeing throughout the state and probably a good part of the nation as well. And so I, I enjoy being part of these different committees where we focus on a specific issue. And in this case, you have the chance to interact with other elected officials from around uh, the state of Florida on a particular topic. I'm also uh, the city's representative to the Central Florida Regional Planning Council, and and that's an interesting group as well. It's made up of elected officials from Polk, Highlands, Hardy, DeSoto, and Okeechobee counties. It's always a neat time to to get together with colleagues in those counties and just hear about the the different topics uh, that they are facing from a planning standpoint and the Regional Planning Council. There are regional planning councils throughout the state. Every county and and city within a county is part of a planning council, and 
ours here in Central Florida, we, we have a, it's a pretty big staff and they really, they assist local governments with their comprehensive plans. And we have been referring a lot to our city's comprehensive plan as we talk about land use cases and requests for rezonings and the foundation, kind of the guidebook for those, whether they're approvals or denials, and uh, it, it is the comprehensive plan. And so the Regional Planning Council, it, when we develop or update our comprehensive plan, uh, many times we are leaning on the staff and the expertise from the Regional Planning Council. Some of the smaller cities and counties that are represented, some of the more rural areas, uh, even more so. They really uh, use the expertise of the Regional Planning Council staff. They're based out of Bartow, the Central Florida Regional Planning Council. But um, an interesting experience for me just to sit on that council, to be a voting member, and to have more of a regional perspective of what is happening throughout Central Florida, throughout the heartland of Florida, and how Lakeland fits into that. So I talked about the comprehensive plan, and, and that came up a lot. I want to talk quickly about uh, our last meeting where we had the vote on the Lake Miriam apartment proposal. Uh, it was a request from uh, the applicant, from the developer, to rezone that land to allow, to allow for multifamily housing. Uh, it's currently zoned uh, for commercial development. And if you remember, we heard this issue at the beginning of April, uh, and then we voted to continue it. So we did not take a vote on whether to approve or deny, but we said, let's continue it let the developer try to make some changes based on the feedback they're hearing from neighbors and concerns of residents uh, regarding density and traffic and see if they can come back and present a revised proposal that has maybe a better chance at being approved. It's an interesting process and to sit on this side and and to listen to uh, different um, reasons for, you, you, you know, you hear on one side from the applicant, you hear from city staff who were recommending approval, and then hearing from people who live in the area, residents who were very much uh, opposed to, to the project. As a commission, we voted to deny the project. It was 5-2. Uh, Mayor Mutz and I were the two in the minority who were supporting uh, the change, the rezoning to, to multifamily zoning. And I received two emails from people thanking me for my vote who, who said they feel like we need more uh, quality apartment homes and rental options in Lakeland, and they were in favor of, of the commission approving this. And then I received an email from a resident who said, I will never vote for you again for anything. And uh, I, I replied to all of them, but on, on the one who said uh, he, was, he was upset with my vote, I wrote back and I said, if you'll just allow me to explain my thought process and I told him I was torn, as I believe many of my colleagues were. I was torn between what I saw as a project that met all the criteria that the city has in place for a rezoning like this versus uh, a project with a large number of nearby residents who are opposed to it. And that's always a factor when you have many people who don't support something, who are opposed to what's being proposed. We take that into consideration. And... As I said at the meeting, no elected official takes satisfaction in disappointing a large number of, of the people you represent. And so thinking about that, but I kept coming back to, and this is what I told uh, this resident, that the commercial zoning that is currently on the property, that it today it, it allows for development that is more intense, that potentially would bring more traffic than this apartment complex would. Uh, on the issue of compatibility, I know that was a component that was mentioned a lot, and you know, as we look at the comprehensive plan, that is the book. So take a pause here for a second. The, the comp plan used to be 800 pages, 
<laughs> which uh, is a lot. That's an understatement now. And thanks to efforts of our staff and the regional planning council that I mentioned and their team, they've been able to cut it down to, I think it's just over 200 pages, still a long document, but nowhere near as long as it was uh, in, in the past. And so you, you had our, our city planning staff making a recommendation and saying that this, um, proposal, this development is compatible with the surrounding area. You have commercial development with the public's plaza, you have uh, single family homes. And so kind of in a transition between that multifamily apartment homes, uh, three stories high is compatible. But we had residents challenging that. And uh, we even had a uh, someone who served on the Polk County Planning Commission saying this is not compatible. It's always challenging when you have those two different opinions coming at you and, and you're trying to make a decision. But for me, I, I saw the the land use itself, the, the multifamily housing as compatible with the surrounding area. There are things that certainly would not be compatible. You would not want to put some industrial manufacturing plant right near someone's backyard or across the street from a single family home. Uh, But this type of housing to me was compatible. And I know that it's uh, subjective at times, as we saw by the, you know, what uh, was said at the meeting. And so it was a difficult decision. And uh, as we do as a commission, when Uh, We take a vote. Even if you're in the minority, we respect the vote of the commission and and the final decision. And so I I see reasons and rationale on both sides of this one. It will be interesting to see if the applicant, if if there is a a challenge in court, there often is with land rezoning um, requests that are denied by a local government. uh, If they feel that it lacks what the the term is competent and substantial evidence, if if the developer feels that that is not in place, that the the local government denied it based on resident opposition alone, it's very common that they'll challenge that in court. We don't know if they will or not, but, but we'll see. So just that's more of my perspective on that one. And and we have some other apartment proposals that are coming our way. And so it's going to be interesting to see how those move forward. I think in a broader sense, if you step back and and look, I think I talked about this on the last episode for many years in Lakeland, uh, we did not have new apartment homes being built. And now as you have more people moving here and there's an increased demand for uh, rental units and people who, who want to rent, we're now seeing in some some respects uh, an acceleration in the number of proposals to build multifamily housing developments throughout the city. Uh, but it is it, it's a fast pace, and I know that is difficult. Growth is hard, but growth at a rapid rate is even harder. And so we'll we'll see what happens on on some of those issues coming up. The other item that was probably the most significant coming out of uh, the last commission meeting was our uh, vote to approve an increase to the fuel rate for Lakeland Electric and what it charges its its customers. Uh, this was approved first by the utility committee. And so all of the commissioners, we all sit on the utility committee, but there are also community members who make up that committee. I think there are 12 of us total who are on that. And so it um, this passed the utility committee. The change increases the fuel rate from $40 a megawatt hour to $60 a megawatt hour. A megawatt is 1,000 kilowatts. The average home uses 1,000 kilowatts a month, one megawatt. So if the average home pays currently $40 in a, in a fuel rate, it will that, that home will, will now be paying $60. So the question I had asked, and I it's taken me some time to understand this because I'm not in the utility industry. That's not my profession. And um, but one of the questions I asked was, if we approve this increase from 40 to $60, what's the average 
what's the impact to the average household? And so that's where our staff said the average home uses a thousand kilowatts a month. So that would mean an increase of $20. And we are certainly aware that costs everywhere are going up all around us. And so while $20 on the surface may not seem like a lot of money, but when you're budgeting and you have a family and you have kids and uh, every dollar matters. And so we, we realize that it's a tough position that we're in because of the price of natural gas. Uh, we use uh, a lot of natural gas as our uh, source of power, uh, source of electricity here in, in the city. And so with the prices that we're seeing in the market, uh, I think higher than anyone predicted right now, uh, that is having, we're having to pass that along to um, Lakeland Electric customers. And, and that's always difficult. One of the, you know, I, I was looking back before I started recording this podcast, the, since I came on the commission, the fuel rates have been very low. Uh, in 2020, they were $35 a megawatt hour. I think at one point we even got down to $28. And so natural gas prices uh, for the past two years have been very low. Now they're they're spiking. Credit to our staff, they um, have implemented over the years a hedging program where they buy in, lock in a certain price. can be a little bit risky if, if prices of natural gas are very low. If you've locked in these prices or you're actually paying more, but when uh, prices spike, as we're seeing right now, we have a certain quantity that we're actually paying a lower rate than what is in the market because of that hedging program. It's probably an oversimplification of what we're doing. But I do want to have somebody on soon from Lakeland Electric to talk about not only the fuel rate component, but also just some of the other things that we're doing as a utility, because there are, there are a lot of different initiatives and, and programs and just things that we are doing as a city, as an electric utility, uh, that I think are interesting to the people in our city and the customers of Lakeland Electric, both the business and residential customers. We're also in the process of doing what's called a rate study. And so looking at the base rate, this kind of gets, I think for people outside the industry, you just want to know if you're a utility customer, what is my bill? How much am I going to pay? You don't really get into the weeds of what's the fuel rate, what's the base rate, but there are different components to your utility bill. And the the base rate you are charged for your electricity usage, that is is a rate that's set that uh, is looked at about every four years, from my understanding. So we're in the process of doing a, a rate study, which will look at all of the cost associated with delivering power to our city, to our customers, and the charge for that. And is that is the current base rate? Is it where it needs to be? Is it too high? Is it too low? And then there will be a recommendation in the fall on what do we do with that base rate? A lot of the the factors that we're seeing right now, I, I think, could point to potentially um, we, there may be a recommendation to increase the base rate. I don't know that. I'm just I'm speculating at this point. Um, it, it, but what we're seeing um, with the cost of of services, the cost uh, in the marketplace for just uh, what it takes to make the utility run. All of those costs have been increasing over the past year, as they have for, for everyone else. So that that's something that is, in the next few months, you will hear more on. And again, I, I'll have someone from Lakeland Electric on to explain this, someone who's in the industry who can really break it down for us as to what's going on, what's happening, and how this possibly will impact our customers going forward. 
This Friday, so by the time some of you listen to this podcast, this meeting will have come and gone, but this Friday we have an agenda study session, and after that there is a workshop on short-term rentals. I know that generated a decent amount of local news coverage that uh, we had been asked as a city, as a commission, to consider regulating short-term rentals. I don't even know if there's much that we can do as a city because of state law, and state law doesn't allow local governments a lot of room here to to, um, implement restrictions and regulations. I don't know if there's even a desire to do that, if, if we even had any options. All we asked our city attorney to do was just bring back some examples and some of the things that, that we're seeing in other communities. Um, and so that he will provide an update to us on Friday. So more coming on that. I know after that meeting, when this topic came up, um, I had I talked to two people in the city who have short term rentals and wanted to take the opportunity just to explain to me why they uh, rent their property and, and what that means and why they believe there are already enough at the state level. There are things that they have to do uh, to register and they are not supporting any local restrictions. And I thought they made a, a good case for that. So just more will be coming on that soon. Wanted to mention it because I know it was a, it was an item that um, a number of people saw and, and were curious, kind of, what are you doing? What's the commission? Well, right now we're not doing anything. We're just getting information from our city attorney, which we do for, for a number of issues. I think I will stop here for this episode. As always, I appreciate you listening to A View from Lakeland City Hall. You can always contact me with feedback or thoughts uh, on any city topic or anything, really, at chad.mcleod at lakelandgov.net. If you have a, um, an idea for someone you'd like to hear from from within the city, send me an email. Send me your thoughts. Thank you for the opportunity and privilege to serve as one of your city commissioners. Have a great weekend. It's Father's Day coming up, so happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I'll see you back again here soon.